is going to be over. Every burden is going to be lifted. How many are you ready for that? Raise your hand all across this place. Let's worship him for just a more, uh, another moment. If you're in here tonight and you're heavy burdened, if you're in a war, we're going to talk about that war tonight for just a few moments. But I want you to know that the scripture says that he is Lord. And because he is Lord, that means he has two things. He has all authority and he has all power. All authority and all power are his. There is nothing that is happening that is out of his control, that is out of his purview. And I'm going to lay a groundwork for this message tonight and then we're going to get to the good part. How many of you ready for the good part? Give our praise team a hand for what they've done tonight in leading us. We, we're going to jump into this. If you would just remain standing, we're going to say a special prayer. We, we got news while ago. Pastor is with us tonight, but we found out that his mother has uh, fallen, went down due to a situation. They think she has broken her hip, and she's at the hospital. Sister Jenny is up there with her. Pastor might be... Uh, leaving in just a few moments. We don't know to go to be with her. So let's say a special prayer for her. But how many of you have an unspoken in the house tonight? Maybe needs in the house. Yes, amen. Hands are all up across this place. So let's pray tonight for her, for Sister Glenda and all these needs. Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. God, as your word declares, it's the name that is above every name. And tonight, Lord, we just pray a special prayer for Glenda. God, we pray for healing virtue to just right now touch her body. Lord, we don't know if she's broken a hip, but we're praying for a miracle. We're praying for a divine healing. God, that you would touch her, remove the pain, heal the bones, heal any kind of tendons, any muscles that are bruised, anything that is torn. God, we speak healing into her body. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, also for every hand that went up tonight, Lord, people are in a war. People are in a fight right now, God. We're living in perilous times, as the scripture says, but Lord, it's also exciting times. Lord, we know that you are in control, as we said earlier. You have all authority. You have all power. And we trust you and we love you tonight. And all those that agree with me say amen and amen. You can be seated. So good to be with you. It's an honor to bring the word uh, to this church and just, just be with you on a Sunday night. I want to just give you one short verse and... Um, then we'll just jump right into this thing as I feel like the Lord has laid it on my heart. Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 19. Very familiar passage of scripture, but I think it's also a very fitting uh, passage of scripture for the times in which we live. It says, When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. Somebody say amen in the house. Yeah. If you keep up with the news at all, you know that not all that long ago, just a matter of a few weeks ago, we had a flood hit our nation, specifically Florida, and that, that Gulf region that came in, a storm, a hurricane that came in, and it did unbelievable financial damage to Florida. St hurricanes, storms at that level, they are nothing new to Florida Nothing new to the Gulf Coast. Nothing new to people that live along the eastern seaboard. They see these things all the time. But this thing was 
especially devastating. It was especially powerful in the toll, financial toll that it brought in. There were many, many deaths. The last toll that I heard, death toll, was about 130, 140. Could be more than that, but that's the last that I remember hearing. About 130, 140 people died as a result of that hurricane. Um, Some people are saying that the very land itself, I'm talking about the very ground itself, uh, could be forever changed as the islands that surround the coastal area and the coast of the mainland Uh, they're saying was so devastated by the fury of that storm, they're saying it may never be the same again in certain regions. And, And for areas that were devastated, the populated areas that were devastated, the, the homes, the businesses, the structures, people's livelihoods, their very way of life, they said it could take decades and decades and decades to totally recover from that, if ever. If it will ever come back, they just, they don't know. And so when we see storms like this, one of the things that come to my mind was just about how we as believers go through storms. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We go through seasons. We have a title that we like to put on things. We call it hurricane season. The scripture points out that in our lives, we will go through different seasons. We'll go through different time periods. And in America, we have several months worth of a hurricane season and it's people just wandering and waiting and watching the news and the weather channel in anticipation if that swell or that storm that seems to be forming out in the Atlantic if it's going to turn into anything major. It's amazing to me that they can watch off the coast of Africa and predict if it's going to be, become a major hurricane. And sometimes it is and sometimes it's not. I used to joke with a friend of mine that, you know, if, if I lived in a hurricane area prone to hurricanes, I think I would when the governor comes on and says, you need to evacuate, I think I would evacuate. But I think they need to do a better, na- a better job naming those storms. Because when they hear that Hurricane Patsy is on its way, nobody's scared of Patsy, come on. When they hear that Hurricane Jimmy is forming out in the Gulf Coast, nobody worries about that. Nobody's concerned too much about that. But if they were to come up with a name like Hurricane Darth Vader has formed out in the Gulf Coast, I think people would pay attention. If they said that, hey, Hurricane Judgment Day had finally arrived, people would, they would pack up and they would go. They would get out of the path of destruction. People would leave town. But the fact is, is that there are many storms of life that you can't escape. There's many storms of life that will come your way that you never asked for, that maybe you are somewhat of an innocent bystander, things that befall you, things that come your way that you really didn't count on, that you never anticipated, that if it was anybody's fault, it certainly wasn't yours. You're just part of that innocent bystander that is suffering. And there are seasons, in fact, in life when it seems like one storm after another keeps coming. 
By the time that you recover from the damage of one storm, another is on its way. And to a certain degree, that's true even in the spirit realm. It is a spiritual flood in these seasons that keeps hammering away at people's souls and at people's spirits. Storms and pressures and trials and temptations and struggles that weigh on people emotionally. It weighs on their hearts. It weighs on their minds. Sleepless nights. Worry. All of these things happen. Maybe it's a financial difficulty. Maybe it's an emotional wound or struggle that you are going through due to some circumstance. Maybe it's a relationship issue. Maybe it's simply a spiritual assault, a spiritual attack. Maybe it's a mental war, a mental struggle that you are facing and that you are battling. And people are doing their best to keep their head above water. A flood of issues is trying to drown out God's people today. A flood of issues is trying to drown out God's people. And it's important that we understand not just the season that we're in, but also the everyday, the everyday struggles that comes our way, the things that are taking place. Now, I want you to listen again to what this scripture says because it says that we're going to go through a flood that is coming. And I believe that at the end of that season, at the end of that struggle, there is going to be such a celebration. There is going to be such a rejoicing. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. There is going to be much rejoicing. There is going to be much singing. There is going to be much worship. And all of the war, all of the assault, the flood of the enemy, it will be gone forever. And we will forever be at the feet of Jesus Christ in his presence, worshiping him in, in blessing and in his presence. Somebody say amen. amen. We're overcomers. Listen to what this word says again, Isaiah 59 and 19. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. Now, I want you to get this. That's a declarative promise. That's God speaking. It is a declarative promise. God says, I will raise up a standard against the attack of the enemy. Now, the storms of life that I'm referring to, they're not just seasonal, but they're daily. And this storm, too, has a name, and his name is the devil. His name is Satan. His name is the enemy. His name is the adversary. And there's no need to go any further than that because he is the instigator that stirs up the storms of life that come our way. And when we ID the enemy and the ways in which he seems to come at us, I believe at the end, we will have breakthrough. There will be freedom. There will be celebration. There will be victory. Somebody say amen. I want to give you just a few points tonight. And the first two are a little heavy. But the third point is a time for celebration. How many of you are on board with me for that? Okay. So here's one thing I want you to know right out of the gate. 
is that when it comes to these storms, these battles, these struggles, whatever kind of title you want to give them, they are imminent. They are coming. They will happen. It is a for sure thing. The verse says that when the enemy shall come in, the key word there is when. It's not an if, but when the battle comes. Whether you like it or not, Christians, we live in a volatile, violent, stormy existence against an enemy that absolutely rages against us all of the time. The day that you said yes to Jesus Christ, you said yes to a battle. That are, there are, that's why that, uh, there are no such thing as part-time Christians that can defeat a full-time enemy. You stepped into a war zone, you stepped into a struggle of an enemy that absolutely hates your very existence. It amazes me that I heard not all that long ago that the Swiss army, the, the, the Swiss army, they literally went to a, a nine to five operation. Their army were open nine to five. So I guess if you're going to invade, do it after five. It makes no sense to me. When you understand that you are in a war, that you are in a struggle, that you are against an enemy that would take you out if he could, you have to be forever vigilant and on guard and ready to fight at the drop of a hat. Somebody say amen. Because the struggle that we're talking about, it takes a full-time commitment. It takes a full-time commitment of loving the Lord, of serving the Lord. And no more of just Sunday stuff. Somebody say amen. Why do you say that, Josh? Because the enemy, he, does, he, he doesn't respect your time or your situation. Have you ever noticed that? You heard the old saying, you never kick a good man while he's down. Oh, yes, the enemy does. He will kick you and stomp you at any point that he can. He does not care if you're overworked. He doesn't care if you're underpaid. He doesn't care if you're overwhelmed. He doesn't care about any of that stuff. If the enemy could kill you, he will. If he could, listen, if he can get you to kill yourself, he will. If he can get you to kill somebody else, he will. We live in a world where even innocent unborn babies are murdered on their birthdays. Have you heard of the Birthday abortions? Abortion all the way up to a child's birth. Their very birthday. That is the kind of world in which we live. He has no regard for innocent children. Much less you. You see, in your weakened state, he has no compassion. He has no concern for you. Instead, he often will pour it on more and more and more. Now, this is usually where people will say, Josh, you're giving a negative report. No, I'm simply evaluating the reality of the situation. The enemy is not intimidated to come after your marriage. He's not intimidated to come after your health. He's not intimidated to come after your kids, your finances, your church. On and on and on we could go. 
His biggest target in history was Jesus while he was on the earth. So whatever Jesus went through, we should expect a little bit of it. Come on, somebody. The reason that so many of us are facing temptations, that we're facing struggles, facing trials at a greater degree, is not so much that we're just these horrible, bad people necessarily, but it's because we're trying to live for the Lord. How many of you are trying to live for the Lord? You're a target. You're a target. Jesus was perfect, and yet he was tempted, and he suffered, and he died. You don't have to be a reprobate to be tempted. Come on, somebody. The devil already has them. He tempts and he comes after the redeemed in greater measure. He goes after you because of Christ in you. He is trying to remove you from the equation of this earth because of Christ in you. He goes after you because of who you are in Jesus Christ. In and of myself, I am nothing. But because of Christ in me, I am valuable and I become a target to the enemy. One writer I read said this. He said, Satan does not tempt God's children because they have sin in them, but because they have grace in them. How many of you are saved by grace? And because of that grace, the enemy has made you a target. So, it's because if what you have in your life, which is grace... And who is living inside of you? Jesus, that you're a target. That's why there will always be this threat of a flood. A flood. When the enemy comes in like a flood. That's what Isaiah called it. These hordes of the enemy. These demonic attacks. These consistent seasons of just attack. It's, it's like a flood that comes in. Now I, I, want, I want to talk about our value for just a minute. I found this online, and I assume it's true. I mean, you never really know for sure. But it said that if you were to add up all of the elemental value, I'm talking about elements, like elements in the earth. If you were to add up all of the elemental value and the chemical value of a typical human being, they said you might get somewhere between 4 and $5 worth of elements and chemicals out of a human body. We might get a little more out of pastor, I don't know, but. <laughs> Probably double. No, I'm joking, I'm joking. So here's my point. Your worth is not so much in who we are or what we're actually worth that makes us a target. But because of whose you are, that you have now become a target. I am valuable because I belong to Jesus. Jesus paid it all. And all to him I owe. In my flesh, as I tell my class on Wednesday nights, this meat suit that I'm wearing... In my flesh, I'm worth somewhere about five bucks. But Jesus loves me and he gave his life for me. 
So I must be worth something to him. How many of you are saved? Then you are worth something to him. Jesus gave it all, all to him I owe. Now listen to some of these crazy things that sold at auction. By themselves, these items are absolutely worthless. But because of who owned these items, their value increased. Now when I read this list, there was a little bit of sarcasm in me that come out. I just could not believe people would pay good money for this stuff. Are you ready for this list? Justin, a lock of Justin Bieber's hair. What are all you teenage girls doing over there? A lock of Justin Bieber's hair sold for $40,668 on eBay. $40,668. Any Star Wars fans in here? Raise your hand. Okay. The original Darth Vader's mask, the original mask, $885,000. I got three more. They're just ridiculous. Scarlett Johansson's used tissue. $5,300. Justin Timberlake's French toast. I guess that he left over at a restaurant, didn't he? $1,025. William Shatner's kidney stone. $25,000. Would you pay that for a kidney stone, John? John? John sales don't take that too funny over there, does he, John? Who would buy such things, right? Who, who would pay money for such ridiculous things? But the point of it is, their value of those items was not intrinsic. A tissue doesn't have any value. But because of who those items belong to, their value increased exponentially off the charts. So I want to be abundantly clear to us tonight. Your value has nothing to do with the clothes that you wear, the car that you drive, the club membership that you have, the people that you know the degrees hanging on your wall or the family that you come to because your real intrinsic value is somewhere about five bucks. But because you belong to God and because you are saved and redeemed, you are priceless, in fact, that the God of the universe was willing to give up his life for you. That's the reason that's the reason there's a fight. That's the reason there's the fight. Your value to him. The enemy hates you because God loves you. That fact alone makes the fight imminent. Number two, this fight, this flood, it's ferocious. How many of you know that to be true? He ain't playing. He ain't playing. Our text said that he shall come in 
like a flood. Listen, floods can happen anywhere in the world. Anywhere in the world. In unexpected places. This, this summer, we had our vacation out west and we went to a place in Arizona. Where's, I don't remember. Antelope, where is that at? Arizona? Okay, I couldn't remember if it was Arizona or Utah. We went to a place called Antelope Canyon. And if you ever get a chance to go there, you need to go there. If you've ever, true story, if you've ever seen like some of the, the, the wavy, um, the erosions in the ground, the waviness, like on your screensavers, on your computers, how many of you know what I'm talking about? You've seen that? Some of you have? That's that place, Antelope Canyon. You need to go there. It's unbelievable. And we had these tickets to go to this place, and we, we, we were going to go, and we were told, they said, well, you can't come today. They said there was a flash flood miles and miles and miles north. And we're in the middle of the desert. We're in the desert. And they said that there was a flash flood miles away, but the water came down through the canyons and it carried in all of this water and debris and just, just really just made it a mess in there. We had to postpone it a day so that the workers could go in there. And they had to clean that mess out by hand. They literally had to take just buckets and shovels and all that kind of stuff. That's how they had to clean that stuff out. And so what I want you to understand is that this water that we're talking about here, it actually adds up to an onslaught. Here's the thing about water. Have you ever noticed that water gets into everything? Everything. This storm that I was talking about down in Florida, I'm not giving them a plug or anything like that, but, but one of the storms that happened down there, there was a bike repair shop. Maybe some of you saw it on the news. That they knew that the hurricane was coming in and this guy went out and bought up a bunch of the uh, Flex Seal, I think is what it's called. And he decided he was going to fight the hurricane. And so he goes into his bike shop and he hit every corner and crevice and crack he could possibly see and imagine and think of and he sealed this place in as best he could and they left town and they came back expecting to walk into devastation and when they came back they had videotape on their phone they were videotaping and they were looking through the window and it was dry as a bone dry as a powder keg in there and of course everybody's now plugging flex seal and all this kind of stuff but here's the thing, water has a tendency to get into everything. And the moment that you think you have the leak plugged, it shows up somewhere else. And the thing with this water, this flood, the problem can seem to be over here, but it might actually stem from something way over here. And in the case of a flood, if the initial pounding of the water doesn't make it in, the water will begin to seep in through cracks and crevices. And here's how the enemy will work. Most of the time when the enemy comes in with an onslaught and he's pounding and raging against us, we brace ourselves in the spirit. We, we steal ourselves in the spirit. But if we're not careful, the flood will come in and it will begin to look for the cracks in our hearts. Look for the cracks in our minds. Look for the cracks in our souls. This is when people begin to tread just to stay alive, even spiritually. Then, whenever you have floods, you also deal with issues like mudslides. After the effect, the, the waters recede. You have all the resulting stagnant water, and then you have all the diseases that come from the stagnant water. I heard an example that somebody gave that said that 
lifeguards are trained to look and see their surroundings and not so much to hear their surroundings. You say, well, why would that be the case? Because it's, uh, it's drowning is often referred to as the silent killer. You can be in a situation, you could be on a beach, you could be at a pool or whatever, and there can be a group of swimmers and you got all the noise and you got all the people talking and screaming and laughing and just having a good time. And you got a lifeguard on duty and they can't hear a scream. They can't distinguish somebody that's in trouble versus somebody that's just having a good time. And so they try and tune out the noise, but they're constantly watching. They're looking for the telltale signs of people that are in struggle and that are going under. It's called the silent killer. Because people that get overwhelmed in the flood, they start bobbing up and down and their hands are in the air trying as they're going under and they're drowning and you can't hear them because of the water that's in their system and you can't hear their cries for help. So the lifeguard has to look for the signs of trouble and not listen. And I wonder how many people are in here tonight that are going through struggles and they're drowning spiritually. People that are drowning in their souls. They're treading water, so to speak, just to stay alive. People say all the time, well, why don't they just say something? Why don't they just come to us? Why don't they just come in and meet with us? It's because their souls are overwhelmed with the flood of issues that have come against them. We have to be watchful because the flood is coming and it will find all of the cracks and the crevices in our lives. We've got to be vigilant in this day and age. Somebody say amen, church. We've all experienced what I'm talking about. You get a bad doctor's report. You get one negative text from an individual. You have a relationship struggle. You have a loss of a job. You have whatever the situation is. And these are cracks that the enemy looks to infiltrate and come against our souls. It's in moments like this that we need somebody to rescue us. How many of you have ever needed to be rescued before? Rescued in your soul, rescued in your spirit. It's where we need the Holy Spirit to come in and comfort us. How many of you have ever had those encounters with God where you rush to him in your prayer time? Or maybe you rush to him in your devotional time and the Holy Spirit shows up and he comforts you. In your moment of need, he comforts you in your time of despair. That's what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 25. He said that my father will send the Holy Spirit who is the comforter. There's that old hymn that says, my hope is built on nothing less. And third verse, I'm not going to sing it. Somebody say amen to that. Listen to these words. It says this, his oath, his covenant His blood supports me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. And then it goes on into the the course where it says, On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. So the battle... It's imminent, it's it's ferocious, and all this sounds horrible, all this sounds ominous, and it sounds overwhelming, but point number three, believers are overcomers in Christ. 
we are overcomers in Christ. In this sense, it means that believers are impossible to beat if they're in Christ, if we'll keep the faith. This is what the scripture says again. I want you to hear it again. It says, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. So there's two things that we know for sure. The enemy will come in. He's coming in. There's going to be the flood. There's going to be the assault. But we also know for sure that the Lord is going to raise up a standard. The enemy shall, the enemy has a shall, and the Lord has a shall, and no flood that the enemy tries to bring your way can beat the standard of God. Now these are military terms. It throws out words like enemy. It throws out these expressions of flood. It's talking about a horde, you know, just like just a mass assault. It uses this expression where it says it raises a standard or a banner is what it's talking about there. It is by the spirit that raises a power that defeats the enemy. The question is, whose shall is going to win the battle? Shall the flood of the enemy or shall the standard of God win the battle? Whose shall is going to win? You can be sure of a coming flood, but you can also be sure of a saving God. I'm going to bring this thing to a close here in just a second. How does God do this? He lifts up a standard. It doesn't say that God will always dry up the water before it gets to you. It doesn't say that he'll redirect the water. In other words, like a dam. He's not going to just redirect the flood necessarily. It says that he will lift up a standard. Well, a standard, what is a standard? It's talking in military terms. What's a standard? In military terms, it's like a banner. And anybody that knows anything about seeing any of the old, you know, war movies and all this kind of stuff, you'll see them riding out and they'll have these flags, they'll have these banners. They're also known as a standard. And it becomes, those flags and those banners become like a rallying point. That's what it's talking about. So that whenever the enemy comes in like a flood, God raises his banner and he says, come to me. He says, come to me. I will be your standard. I will be your banner. I am the rallying point is what God is saying there. So for all the people who are under an assault, who are under an intense attack, it is to go to God himself. He is the standard. He is the marker. Listen to what the word says in Psalm 29, verses 10 and 11. It says, the Lord sat as king at the flood. Yes, the Lord sets as king forever. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless people with peace. The King James Version says it like this. It says the the Lord set on top of the flood. You know what I envisioned on that? 
when I read that in, in, the, New, uh, in the King James Version, whenever the enemy comes in like a wave, God's just on his boat riding the wave, going with the flow. God is not scared of the attack of the enemy. Somebody say amen. He is simply riding the wave and he becomes the rallying point. He is Lord. He is Lord. The Lord himself becomes your rallying point. The one who has all authority, the one who has all power, he becomes your rallying point. When you look in history, and I'm going to ask our praise team if they'd go ahead and come. When you look in history, ancient rabbis, anytime that they would be reading in the scriptures and they would come across the word Lord in the scriptures, every time, every time they would read the word Lord, they would simply stop and pause and worship God for a minute. Every time. So can we do that right now? He is Lord. He is Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Every time that they saw the word, they so revered him. They so revered his power and his position and his authority every time that they came across the word Lord, they would stop and pause and worship. What a powerful practice we should do today. Somebody say amen. Did you know that in ancient times that scribes, when they would begin to write the word Lord, as they would pin the word Lord in the text on the parchment, Every time they would finish writing the word Lord, they would set that writing utensil down and grab a new one. Because to them, the word Lord was so sacred. You don't use it to write anything else on. It is so separate and set apart. This is how much they revered him. And did you know that Jesus is called Lord more in the New Testament than he's called Savior? I'm talking New Testament. 747 times in the New Testament, Jesus is called Lord. The one who has all authority and all power. It doesn't matter when or where or how strong the flood is, or how strong the storm is that comes against you, Jesus has all the authority and power. He is our standard. He personally, not some concept about God, not some notion not some opinion about him. He personally becomes your rallying point. When you get the diagnosis, when you get the pink slip, when you get all of these things that come against us, 
Go to him personally and let him minister to your spirit. Would you stand tonight?